Hi, Wayne. Thanks for joining us again for the second part of our interview. We just talked a lot about Wayne's career up until he joined First Robotics. So this includes his work with Charge Concepts, which he founded, and biomedical engineering as a whole, prosthetics, all these really cool projects. So if you want to learn more about that, go to our first part of the episode. But now we'll be covering his involvement in First Robotics. So thank you so much for joining us, Wayne. Thanks again for having me. Like this has been really just such a pleasure to get to talk to you. Such a pleasure to have you. I think my first question or the thing that I want to talk about first is connecting to all the work that we just talked about that you do on a daily basis. When you're watching students do robotics with FIRST, uh, when do you see similarities between what they're working on and what you are doing or other biomedical engineers are doing on a daily basis? What technical experiences during your time in FIRST with the Thunder Chickens were the most helpful when you entered the professional world? And what do you see? What skills do you see students building throughout FIRST that you know that they'll be applying throughout the rest of their careers? So definitely having some of the technical skills helps, but a lot of it is teaching how you think how you communicate, how you work with one another. And actually having real world experiences to build something, I think is something that definitely first gave me a leg up on compared to my peers going to college. Many wanted to be engineers, but they've never built anything, right? Some of them had built Legos. Some flew remote control airplanes and cars and played with toys, took apart VCRs. That definitely helps. <clears throat> but with FTC, First Tech Challenge, for those that of you guys that don't know, it's um, it's modeled after Dr. Woody Flowers' 27207 class at MIT, which is their senior design challenge. It's erector set robots that fit within an 18 by 18 by 18 inch cube. And you go through the progression of having a new challenge, a limited time frame. So all the things real world engineers, biomedical engineers, collaborating team members have to encounter are baked into the program to be able to pitch ideas, to prototype, to iterate, to work together, to be able to do failure mode, FMEAs, failure mode error analysis on that. And then to be able to work as a team to optimize your solutions, to be able to present them. The soft core skills of learning to work together in a demanding, time-constrained, resource-constrained, technical environment but understand the basics of human capital, human resources. We know who we serve and it's the students like you. It's the next generation that you're gonna be creating the solutions and defining the human, embedding the human experience long after we're gone. You're gonna be the ones that are paying it forward for these next generations of aspiring superstars like you guys. Talk to me about what you have, because I can tell you about all of my first experiences. And maybe if there, you want me to go more into that question, I can. But what would you like to know about, Ellie? I think I really want to hear your thoughts on what it means to be a mentor, because there's a lot of, as a student, we see a completely different side of first. We, I think, I know my favorite part of first is 
um, the the creation of a new challenge each year, the the getting to restart the engineering design process completely from scratch, getting to collaborate with my team to to think about all the different ways we can solve a challenge. But you know, I only get to see half of the first robotics experience, and there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that that students don't even get to see. And so I'm really excited to hear your thoughts on all of the things regarding being a mentor. What makes a really good mentor? When you see um, when you see mentors coaching teams, what what stands out? What do you think are not good practices for coaches? And then what are your favorite parts about mentoring? What what are your favorite things to teach? You've been so valuable helping us learn strategy and scouting and all those really important things that teams sometimes overlook as a really valuable part of the first experience. Yeah, what what has been your favorite part of involvement as a mentor and what really stands out to you when you're looking at mentors and when you see a good mentor, what does that look like to you? I don't think I know what, I don't think there's a thing as a perfect mentor, but I think that the great mentors are the ones that dare to evolve and analyze what they have for students, understand the human factors, the emotions that might be involved and pull together the team. Your primary job as a mentor is not to solve the challenge for the students, is not to guarantee their successes but to celebrate and encourage them, get them to build confidence. I I tell people that victories are made every day on and off the field. At the end of the day, trophies don't matter. Banners do not matter. And that's the big thing too. A good mentor is one that wants to have, to show these kids that it's okay to be excited about stuff, that we are going to learn together that if they're interested, you, even if you're not well-versed in it, you are willing to sit down the time and just be with them to learn and figure that out, to get them the resources, to find them the people that they need to pursue their passions, interests, and do something where they feel good about, no matter how big or small that may be. Those that are extraordinary team builders are the best mentors. It has nothing to do with being technical. It has nothing to do with being the best presenter. It has nothing to do with being the best fundraiser. And I've been really fortunate to be able to watch and help pass along, um, you know, our, our compass award and the latest, which is coach, which I'm hoping you interview at some point, because he's a fascinating individual. He's so cool. I want to be like uh, coach Carey at some point who is our latest recipient of the Compass Award. Um, and maybe you would, de- I would highly encourage you to play your video in its in all its glory in your narration, because it's just absolutely amazing and so fitting. And the pictures and the smiles tell everything of why he, and, and your story and your narration and your communication in such an eloquent, um, succinct manner in a limited time frame was just perfect. For anyone curious, but, the first Compass Award, for those non-first, the first Compass Award is given out to one coach or mentor at each competition or the state competition for Massachusetts. And our coach, Coach Carrie Gumbert, shout out to Coach Gumbert, recently won the state championship, so uh, Compass Award. So I will put that link in the description if you want to learn more about the award and about our amazing Coach Gumbert. Um, and I've been really fortunate because I get to store, celebrate as what spend time with one of my. Sometimes you don't want to meet where your perceived heroes are, but then once in a while you get really lucky 
And I got to spend some really unique times with Dr. Woody Flowers, who we owe the foundation since the 1970s, this whole idea of a limited time frame challenge he's been working on. He sees the value in that competitive push, the excitement that it can bring. And now let's say he unfortunately has passed, but we are all his kids. He didn't get to have any, but we're all his students. I am lucky to have been the New York City Woody Flowers finalist recipient as a WFFA. Ellie, the, the student side of that, can we talk about this for a second? I'm going to brag about you and flip this around. Sure, sure. Thank so you. Ellie was unanimously nominated by her team and her mentors as what we call the Dean's List finalist. So Ellie, as our Massachusetts Dean's List finalist, tell us about what it, what is, what it is to be a first student, a first ambassador, a first champion, and a Dean's List finalist, please. <laughs> I'm interviewing you now. Let's go. You flatter me. I am so, I was so honored to be a Dean's List finalist. It's so much more than just an award. As a Dean's List finalist, I got to go to the Dean's List luncheon and sit with hundreds of other Dean's List finalists from around the world at the World Championship. I got to meet with teams from as far away as South Korea and um, and Romania and all these incredible places and learn to them what it means to be a great mentor and to have all these representatives from other teams who have been nominated by their teams and their coaches and have gone through so many rounds of selection and are truly the the greatest leaders uh, around the world. And it was such an honor to to learn what they've gained from the program and to share what I've gained from the program. And it's, it's one of a once in a lifetime opportunity where you really get to talk about your involvement in first, which is to me, one of the, it's the best decision I ever made joining first and just hearing about all these other students who feel the exact same way. And it was just a once in a lifetime opportunity. And I was so honored and so grateful to Wayne and my teammates and coach Gumbery and everyone who made it possible. I'll remember it for the rest of my life. Oh, I'm really glad. And uh, you had a very special guest with go with you to your luncheon. Can we talk about that? Who did, did. you take as your, your lovely lunch date? Uh, I took my mother because nothing could be possible without the parents that, that allow their kids to engage in first in the community. And she's been responsible for so many of the opportunities I've had. So I felt like there was no one better to have with me. Shout out to the parents of uh, all of our firsters and Ellie's mom who made the trip down there with her. Like, that was awesome. So I'm really glad that you had to have that moment. Reading Ellie's, uh, I manage the interviewers and the Dean's initial interviewers. And then our we have another separate panel. But when they told me the name and because I don't see it until afterwards, I'm like, that is absolutely consistent with everything that I know between reading her essay, reading their notes during her interview, which she excelled at, and really just wowed our panel. The amount of initiative and what you've done to help to lead your team, build it from you know where you were started in FLL to the point where you have GNCE now, to the point where you have can we talk about your STEM facility? Did you talk about this in your podcast yet? 
we haven't touched on the the new robotics lab of the tech. Are we allowed to break the news, or is this if you don't we want can break to? the news. We can break the news. Well, you did it. You and your teammates did this. This was a vision and dream of yours since what grade and what project? Since sixth grade, we've been dreaming of a new robotic space for our town. We've never had a dedicated space. We've used some of the art rooms in our school, um, but mainly we've been in our coach's basement. And so it really meant a lot to us when we got to see in FLL in eighth grade, our project or seventh grade, our project was creating a shared robotic space for the town. And although we weren't able to... Um, lead it to fruition in seventh grade. Now in our junior year of high school, we finally saw that come to life when we advocated for the creation of a new robotics engineering lab in our town. And it was unanimously approved by the school board. And now after just an amazing few months of construction, we just had the grand opening of the facility for our summer program for girls in STEM and robotics, or STEAM and robotics. Thank and you. And of course. Engineering, and math, technology, arts, communication, it's all in art. So we don't want to be uninclusive of those that are you know, would think it has to be tech or science or math focused. Exactly. And that's all what this season is about. Center stage, masterpiece, all of the art uh, collaborating with uh, arts getting its full recognition in STEAM as it should be. And so that is so exciting to us. But we recently had the inaugural opening of the facility and it was incredible. We got to mentor 25 young um, girls and guys in STEM and STEAM and collaboration and inclusivity. And it was just such an incredible experience to house it within the lab that we've been dream dreaming about for so many years. They did the research. They specced it out. They cleaned out this former, was it an art space, a science lab? What was it? It was a clay facility, yes. Okay, so they completely reimagined it, transported it, made their, their own. And it was an $80,000 proposal that they not only wrote up, that they pitched to the school board, got unanimously approved, and then how long did it take you to raise the $80,000? And did you just raise $80,000? It We raised $100,000 in under a month for the facility through generous donations from over 600 families in our community and the contribution of WeFC, which is our town's academic booster club. And so none of it is possible without our community who is so enthusiastic about providing opportunities for the next generation of students. And we're so grateful to the Western community and everyone around who contributed. And this is this is the lesson that Ellie is teaching me and students are teaching me um, all the time is like, Dare to try to dream big and not only dream, but put those dreams in motion and see what happens. Even if you fall a little short, you tried, you learned. Your next project will be successful. Heck, you might even hit it big the first time you take on a major initiative in front of not only your school board, but your entire town. And you're building something that's sustainable and lasting. And as you graduate, I can't wait to see where you go. But this is your gift for in the positive ripple effect, as Dr. Woody Flowers says, that you were meant to be here to start. That will set become big waves for generations to come. And that is so inspiring and so cool that I'm hijacking your podcast to talk about and celebrate what you guys are doing. And also talk about like the fact that to put into a perspective what Ellie and her team's accomplishments are.
to not only become the Dean's List finalist, right? We have 105 teams in Massachusetts. We have some very competitive teams in Massachusetts. Last, the previous year, they were our state champs and got to go to World Championship in Houston. They learned a lot. They got better and stronger as a team. This year, they were they you started a second team, GNC Diamond. Your facility is going to support how many teams? It will support seven teams. And then knowing them, they're going to figure out how to grow that number. Like this is their starting point is seven teams, folks. Like, okay, that's middle school and high school. Very cool. I'm super jazzed about this. But they are also sharing their model with the community. They are the true sense of gracious competitors and gracious professionals. Ellie, if you want to know what gracious professionalism and gracious gracious competition is all about, ask Ellie about it. Come to one of our events. We have our kickoff of September 9th. But now going back to that 105. So they won our state Inspire Award, which is our best all-around team. It means that you have to be consistent in all the major award categories, that you have to be the ambassador, role model, and representative and champion for first. There are 7,000 different FTC teams that Ellie gets to compete with. So when she was talking about getting to meet people from all over the world, it was 7,000 whittled away down to 160 the previous year, 192 this year. So Ellie is in rarefied company. There was only 190. So each of the regions got to send three candidates from all around the world, right? And there's there's not 7,000 regions, but it is really rarefied company of what Ellie was recognized with and rightfully so for her leadership efforts, the initiative that she's taking, her inclusivity, the welcomeness, and the intel intelligence, technical prowess, and emotional understanding that she exhibits. So I applaud you. Congratulations. And we are so proud of you. I was so happy to hand you your, it was one of like the really highlights of my state championship to just present you with your certificate. So I hope you know how much that meant to me. So at Worlds, you guys then went on, you, you flirted with the top eight for the longest time. You also amped up your presentations and doubled down on that too. You had some like really cool new members and some young ladies that really stepped up your game, right? Let's brag about your teammates for a second and then let them just be surprised that they're on there. So tell me about them. I love to brag about my teammates. We had some really amazing additions to our team, to um, to Diamond and to Carbon. We had Jessica, Ivanka, Eva, Sophia, Clara, Kirsten. We had so many incredible young girls who joined our team last year or for most of my seven-year robotics career, I've been the only girl on the team. But this year, it's just been such an incredible boom of of female empowerment. And I'm just so excited for the trajectory that we're heading in with all the summer program and the new space. I think our program is going to become so women in STEM heavy, women in STEAM heavy. And it is just such an exciting prospect to me because I've spent my entire robotics career excited for this, this very moment. Isn't it cool? And this is your legacy. Those are like here now enjoy this Ellie like you're a senior you you've accomplished all the big things you're going to add on to that but it's all icing on the cake at this point try to pull as many people in as you can I kind of hear through 
you know, reading between the lines, it sounds like there's a lot of girls that you can almost break off into a third team or maybe that start is, one. That is something that we're attempting to do this this year. We're really excited to, in addition to Carbon, we're, we're hoping to have an all-female team if there's interest for it because the girls have been the superstars and they have so much to contribute and they would just demolish us if they all formed one giant team and so that is definitely something to look forward to ladies and gentlemen you've heard you've heard it right here breaking news the gauntlet has been laid down be prepared for female world dominance (laughs) it's coming to a western town near you (laughs) so awesome so cool so cool so So i'm 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 proud of you, and I hope you know how much our community at BTI is. And again, it's bostontechinitiative.org if you guys want to find out a little bit more information about our events. Ellie is, I think, if I I don't have to volunteer you because you pretty much um, do it yourself, but she'll help anyone. And that's the hallmark of our first teams, not just GNCE, but I think you'll find in this community, it's really, really, really special in the genuine desire to want to help having some of the most fun, challenging fun you'll ever have, but getting to know, meet, and become friends with some of the most extraordinary people you will meet along the way. Couldn't have said it better myself. It's been so, you've been so kind to me, but I really, I I do want to highlight all the work that you've done in the community. You've been the leader of so many initiatives. Specifically, I'm really interested to learn more about um, your role as the founder and executive director of the Gary Israel Morris Robotics Foundation in the Bronx for Robotics and STEAM Education. Um, I think you've been involved in so many projects you've been on the first and FL planning committees too we'd love to touch on that for a bit but can you tell the listeners a little more about your engagement in the community and what you've done to expand first in those roles sure so I've been mentoring since I graduated high school so in New York I began working on as director for the uh, Columbia Robotics outreach efforts at the time it was an unofficial club but gary israel who is a friend and mentor and almost like a dad to me who i've learned so much from gary worked in industry for a long time then became the first and only at the time caucasian and jewish teacher in a a south bronx school at morris high school at the time and that's located in the poorest congressional district in the south bronx So we began working together, starting with FRC, and our graduation rates were abysmal. That's what drew me to it. Poverty is the biggest impairment to completing education in a lot of those communities. But these are immigrant children where English isn't their native language. So we speak many different languages at the school. My Spanish has improved because I get to work with them. The kids were great where they were coming down to Columbia University from Morris. It was the, we were called two train robotics because they rode the two train and they transferred the one. So our team motto was next stop number one for these kids. And they got to go come to an Ivy League campus. But our dream was always to move it back to the schools. We launched a uh, region wide. And this is a very, very small region of the South Bronx is the entire borough. 
we grew to, we supported and focused on the administrators and the teachers and empowering the mentors. And we became the fastest growing region in the country. I've always been involved. We decided that we had to go nonprofit to really secure its future and be able to move things. And this year we are, we're the school after starting our new team and moving back to the high school in 2020 has told us that we think we got this. We have an FTC and FRC team. We have mentors. We have students that are engaged. We have administration. We think we don't need the foundation's help anymore. It's a bittersweet sweet movement, but Gary's dream 25 years ago when he started and looked for someone to help is happening. Now we focus on Massachusetts and the next segment of challenges for first. So thanks for letting me talk about that. Of course, it's always so inspiring. Wayne, this is one of the many things that Wayne does on a daily basis to provide for the community and make everyone's experience uh, in, for, in first and STEAM and beyond incredible. And so we owe so much of our experience to Wayne. I wanted to thank you again, Wayne, for joining us and for everything you've done for the first community and for students across the country in all their passions and endeavors. And we've learned so much for you from you. So I just wanted to conclude with really asking what has been the greatest learning lesson that you've had? What have teams taught you? What's been your biggest takeaway from this experience? Because we have had so many with you and all your support. It's a really hard question. It's a great question. <laughs> if you're going to be learned to accumulate wealth, be rich in the people that surround you that you choose to learn from and teach them something in return. It might sound like a stolen line from Wicked, the musicals for good, but it truly is something that I've come to reflect on and learn from a lot of these teams, mentors, and students. I think having that childlike sense of wonder, thirst for knowledge, exploration, is something that we as adults unlearn along the way that you guys remind me of and what keeps me so excited and being who I am is partially because I get to work with extraordinary people that remind me like, this is what it's about. Like if I had that kind of energy and enthusiasm to do that, I would accomplish so much more in my life. And it is something that I, people will ask, why do you do this? Why are you so all over the place? I'm like, why not? I get to meet the most extraordinary people. I get to have conversations. I get to be a part of their lives and do something positive in return. Like to me, that's just awesome. Like I have so many experiences and I'm almost like teary and emotional thinking about all the people that have <clears throat> been a part of my first journey and taught me things along the way. And my students that still reach out to me that are nurses, doctors, um, I've got guys that are in the music industry that are running their own very successful gyms that are oh, just countless. We've sent kids to Antarctica, but it's not possible without like the countless volunteers. That's the other big thing is like, why do I do this? Not all because of me, but I was shown this by the other volunteers, the other mentors that taught me along the way. One of the things that the students and the teams in FIRST has taught me is how you handle adversity, how you handle failures. 
which is something that we don't always do the best job at equipping and teaching our students in school. I do think through things through the team process of being on a team collaborative sport to having supportive teammates, members, coaches, mentors that can help pick you up when you're down to can help you evaluate why did you make those mistakes or what went wrong, but more importantly, how can we improve together and what were the positive things that we came out of this? Change the world for good. Be kind out there. The kindness, the positivity, uh, the energy that you put out into there for good will always find its way back to you in your personal life, professional life, in your first careers some of the philosophies in the world, according to the wacky world of Wayne. That is so well said. And everything we've discussed has been such an inspiration to me. You've been such an inspiration to me over my career in first, and you inspired so many students and you will inspire so many more students. And again, thank you so, so much for joining us today. It's been such an honor and I hope to talk more in the future. We certainly will. Well, I look forward to seeing you at the competitions this year and cheering you on. I look forward to you getting more people involved, seeing where your career trajectory goes, coming back as a successful first alum to talk to the next generation of students. And, you know, it's planned obsolescence for me. Like if I if I do my job, just like the Gary is remorseful for Box Foundation, I am going to make myself obsolete and I, you don't need me. And that is my goal. It's a really weird thing because it's the opposite of job security but that's my goal and it's because of students like you that i feel like really positive and confident that i can achieve that goal and you're gonna do amazing things and i'm gonna be a beneficiary of what you do in your career and life and i thank you for that and thanks for the opportunity to talk on age of science and how do i find this how is it distributed why do i get more information Yes. So Ageless Science podcast is housed right now on the Ageless Science website. So um, agelessscience.org. Hopefully we will be expanding within the coming months to uh, other platforms, hopefully Spotify, Apple, making it more widely available for anyone on regular streaming platforms. So once we do that, it will be on the website, the link. And um, if you attend any of our Ageless Science events at retirement communities, it will be advertised there. And we're really excited to make it more well-known in the community. If you heard this, you enjoyed this one, you might have um, want to get involved at one of these retirement communities or have a grandparent that might be able to spread this, please do share this and support these wonderful young individuals that are daring to make a change and try something new, different, and share these age of science with the world. Thanks so much, Ellie. Thank you so much, Wayne. Have a great day. You as well.